0: All right, hey, if you're out in the lobby, can you join us in here? We're gonna get started on our panel. Pastor Steve, I'll invite you to join us up here. And you can sit next to Jay or you can, uh, do you wanna sit next to Jay or do you wanna sit next to me? Cool, I'm on a stool. All right, hey, how many of you have had at least something uh, that is helpful or encouraging for you today? Raise your hand, okay. How many of you are like, I'm just kidding, don't, don't raise your hand if it, it has not been. Uh, I hope it has been, and we're going to do a little bit of a Q&A panel, and I think we've got a slide going up with the number. This is, an, uh, um, this is anonymous unless you say your name. So you can say, hey, this is so-and-so, and then, then we'll know that it's you, that it's you, but you can send your questions in. And uh, that you might have, so I know that there were some people. We did, um, you know, we had a short amount of time to cover a lot of things in our in our panels, or sorry, in our breakouts. And so perhaps there are some things that you want to ask. Even in relation to those, I know not every panel is fully represented up here, but perhaps there were some questions that might have gotten stirred from that discussion. I know a few people had some regarding the, the sexuality conversation that we were having and uh, things like that, um, parenting, you name it, all of that kind of stuff. So if you've got that number, just send that number a text and, um, and uh, we'll see if we can answer some questions. How are we doing?
1: Can I answer my own question?
0: You sure can. Well, can let's do this. I'm going to start with Jay, go all the way around, mm-hmm. and you guys think you each have a mic. Sounds good. And uh, you guys can introduce yourself, tell us a real quick thing about who you are in your parenting journey and uh, anything else you want everybody to know about you.
2: All right. So I'm Jay Bensky, married to Molly Bensky over here. Uh, three girls, they are si- uh, 18, 16, and today turning 15 today's her birthday um, so one big thing that we've learned our, our parenting journey that has really influenced it is Molly was the pastor at a Christian school for a number of years so she worked with a lot of teenagers and learned a lot about parenting through that time period um, through that uh, we started it, what we call ignite having kids over to our house once a month and we did that for a number of years up until covid the last Right before COVID, the one we had right before that, we had 52 high schoolers at our house where we'd pray with them, talk with them, feed them all. And so that's where we've learned a ton of parenting stuff, so.
3: Hello. Hi, I'm Angela. And um, I have an eight-year-old and an 11-year-old. So we're kind of new, not new in the journey. Um, Getting our feet wet for sure. Um, my background is in clinical social work, and I, uh, my, my specialty is in working with children, and so I have a lot of background related to uh, trauma, abuse, um, emotional regulation, and um, currently working in a school, in an elementary school, with children teaching them regulation strategies.
1: Awesome. Amazing.
4: Hello, I am Michelle Delgado married to Mr. Dante Delgado. We have three children, ages uh, 19, two girls and a boy, 19, 17, and six. Yes, a huge gap. <sighs> I know everyone
5: just like, mm. <laughs> it, it
4: could happen to you. Um,
0: <laughs> if you didn't hear that, he, Pastor Steve said, it can happen to you too.
1: So.
4: We call our six-year-old the king of the castle because he is, running the show. Um, But no, we are a blended family, actually. We've been married 15, or excuse me, eight years. Our journey's been 15 years together. And um, I think we'll we'll have a lot to share. Um, So, yeah.
5: Um, Dante, as she said, um, we're young adult leaders here at Real Life Church, prayer team too. Um, And uh, funny thing is that our kids are the reason we came to Real Life. Um, They interned during the summer at UD. Um, we were flabbergasted at how some church could get 175, 200 kids from high school all in one place without it being a complete disaster. So we were like, yeah, something must be going on here that's cool. So,
0: yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to be facilitating and kind of asking the questions today, but I'm Taylor, and I have a seven and a four-and-a-half and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and, two and, and so I am new in it as well. And I, I want my kids to be like Angela's kids, and so I I'm excited to hear from from her. <laughs> so that's why I'm up here.
1: Last but not least, I'm Bast- Pastor Steve. I'm Pastor Steve, and uh, we have three children that are now adults. And uh, Taylor is our oldest son, and uh, we have a middle son that is 35, and we have our youngest son that's 32. One. Yeah, I knew that. Low 30s. Uh, 31. <clears throat> and uh, you're allowed to stop counting out 30. They were part of our original uh, church plant when we planted Real Life Church 25 years ago. So, wow. And we have three grandkids, so we're excited about that season of life. And by the way, uh, we'll be releasing uh, a, a couple of messages for grandparents here mm-hmm. in the next couple weeks. Uh, that I think are, is going to be really helpful that you can give to your your parents uh, that are grandparents or to you that are grandparents. I think you'll find it very helpful, and uh, I want to learn from you as well, so that'll be fun.
0: Yeah, so make sure if you, again, if you have trouble, if you haven't already, go on Facebook. I think you can click the QR code in your folder. If you're having trouble finding the Facebook group, let me or someone know, and we'll get you into it. That's where we'll post some of the links. Um, I know one question already came in asking about notes from some of the sessions and we should be able to get a lot of that to you as well. We are recording everything. We'll put those on our podcast and so we'll post those in the Facebook group but if you don't already, subscribe to our podcast. If you subscribe to that, you'll be able to get those in your feed on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you get subscribed to that so you can get the recordings. Um, And I know that there were... I heard such great things um, about Pastor Braden's panel, about Molly and Jay's, uh, not panel, sorry, uh, breakout as well as Molly and Jay's. And so some of you were able to only go to one, all of us were only able to go to one. So uh, we have those recordings for you. So um, uh, a couple of questions have already come in. And again, text your question uh, into there, if you dare. And uh, how, um, we'll kind of start easy, I guess. Um how do you um how have you found discipleship for your kids uh is in this season um and perhaps different than what it was maybe 5 10 years ago how are you discipling your kids uh with all of the challenges that are coming maybe I'll start with you Jay and if anyone wants to pipe in uh you can
2: well i i'm assuming you say all of the things and that being different Uh, I I guess the main thing is with discipling your kids is making sure you're having those conversations and then you create the time and the space to talk with them and hear what are they thinking and what's going on in their life? What kids are they hanging out with? What are they seeing at school? Um, and I'm coming from the perspective of teenagers, right? Um, and so asking them those questions and getting them to engage in, okay, what do you think about that? Why do you feel that way? Okay, and you know, what, what does maybe God have to say about that? What, what do you think about that as far as how that fits into Christianity or doesn't? And having those types of conversations where you just open it up to be able to let them explore and talk and where we can help guide them then and maybe bring up some areas that they should think about and uh, just create that dialogue and keep it going.
3: I would just add that it's the same for younger children as well, is you're laying a foundation right now. You're creating that safe space for them to feel like they can ask you those hard questions and you're a safe person to come to and know that that's not gonna be like, shamed or looked down upon for having that question and so as those questions start to get harder and more challenging they know that you're the one you're the expert that they can come to and know that they'll be loved through that as you struggle together to identify like what does god say about this or what is the answer to this or how do i approach this person with love when x y or z is happening Um, So not entirely different. It's just maybe more developmentally appropriate or at a a younger age setting.
0: Love it. So maybe a follow-up. What does it look like? We had someone text in. As you were starting to answer these questions, is um, when it comes to raising your kids and the things of God and and answering questions and having those conversations, um, what do you do when you feel inadequate about your own faith? Perhaps you're questioning, you're doubting, you're struggling, wrestling with things, and yet you're trying to shape your kids in spite of what you feel. How do you navigate that? I, I,
1: I, have a, I have a strong feeling about this idea of discipleship in the sense that I think a lot of people don't know what it is, and it's not about a list of things you're against. Discipleship isn't filling your, responding to your kids when they have bad behavior only okay so i think sometimes our discipleship comes in the form of some sort of uh, sort of punitive action on the parent or, or punitive words and i think that what we need to have is we need to have discipleship that is building character and um and is is um I think that sometimes we expect from teenagers or children uh, a certain kind of behavior that we've never prepared them for. We and and so when we see something they don't like then we try to stop it versus try to help them understand what's happening here. Okay, does that make sense? And so be being, being intentional before there is a problem in communicating these these are the kinds of character that a christian has this is the kind of character that murray's have murray's do stuff like this and the reason we do stuff like this is because we're people who follow jesus and that's what a disciple is somebody who follows jesus they're going to follow something they're either going to follow their school they're either going to follow the culture they're either going to follow their peers or they're going to follow jesus and, and you you get to help them make that decision early on but it when it comes to uh what well, that, what was the follow-up, then? Well, so the, the,
0: the, the <clears throat> other side of it is what do you do when you yourself are struggling with your own faith or you're on a journey and not quite sure if you even believe what you're trying to impart into your kids? You do and you don't at the same time. How do you wrestle with that and not impart confusion to your oh, kids? Oh, yeah. Okay,
1: so super simple is that the character qualities of Christ – whether you believe in the divinity of Christ or not, are the very things that every parent wants their kids to have or develop, if you really think about it. Loving your neighbor, doing good to those that despitefully use you, you know, forgiving 70 times seven. You know, all the things that Jesus taught are all things that we want our kids to embody in our family and in school, and in, as a citizen. And so if you, if you keep those timeless things the main thing, as your faith gets challenged, you might have doctrinal changes of belief and things that you're seeking and things you don't understand or things that frustrate you about church and fr- frustrate you about people or God even, you feel like God isn't answering your prayers or isn't listening to you, that's okay. You, you can go through those seasons you don't have to take your kids on that ride. You just want to put in them that spirit of Christ. That's good. Does that make sense? Anyone
0: want to add?
3: I, I can add. You got it. <laughs> um, so my husband and I made a decision a while back. Um, neither of us are natives to the Pacific Northwest, and the culture and environment here is drastically different from like the Bible Belt that we grew up in. And we decided either we could move back there and give them a comfy Christian life, or we could keep them here and raise them up from their infancy to know who God is and know why they believe what they believe and be able to stand firm and confidently in who God is and be able to communicate that well with others outside the walls of the church. Um, And so, For us, that started with us. So going back to what was our childhood like and what was our relationship with our parents like and how do we undo and correct our thinking about who God is based on what our relationship was like with our parents. So putting God in his rightful place and understanding his character and his love and his desire to be one and attached with us in a way that nobody else no other relationship on this earth can compare to and so yeah so just like a rightful picture and understanding of who god is and then also because we grew up in that cushy environment going back in to dig into the word and what did what did god mean when he did this like when this thing feels unloving and god's character is love like, how does that translate? And trying to understand, okay, so who is God, right? Not who is my parent, not who is that person that traumatized me, not who is that, you know, that person that didn't show me love or made me feel rejected, but who is God? And and then how does that relate to the people that we're in connection and community with?
0: Yeah, go for it, Jake.
2: One one thing really fast is authenticity is so important. When you talk to kids and you ask, who's your favorite teacher? And, you know, who do you connect to? And it's amazing. Teachers can be cool or nerdy or whatever. As long as they're authentic, there's respect from the kids. Hmm. And so as a parent, if you're in a place where you're just walking, you're just learning the walk, with Christ, and you feel like, I I don't know what I'm doing, and I need to be discipled, and how do I disciple my kids? Talk with them about that. We're on this journey together, but here's why I'm excited about this. So I used to live this way, but now I see this possibility ahead of me of what life could be like, and a relationship with God is opening up all these things within me, and so get excited with your kids. And let them know why you're doing this and why you're excited about it. And let's go on this journey together.
0: That's awesome. So let's talk about, you brought up trauma, pain from your past. How, and I'll start with you, Angela, maybe Dante and Michelle, I'd love for you to chime in. How do you properly deal with your past so that you don't project things that you don't want to in your kids?
3: How do you properly deal with the past? Um, that is going to be unique to each of you, right? It it depends on, like, the trauma experience that you've had and um, your resilience and your people, your support system in your life and how you've been able to overcome those things. Um, I find, for me, that even as I've worked through things in my youth, that as my child gets to that age I was when that trauma happened, that now I'm viewing it through another lens. And I'm processing that trauma all over again in a whole new way. And, um, and that's, that's the way it is, you know. And so then I have to bring it back to God again. I have, for example... Um, one of my less traumatic experiences, but still a big impact on my life. Um, I grew up with a brother with ADHD. And one of the ways that he coped with that was using drugs and self-medicating and seeking his source of hope and calm in the world. And it definitely impacted our family in the way that I felt like I was able to express my needs and my concerns to my parents because he was kind of like, he was up here The high need and the things that happened to me, I wasn't able to voice because I didn't want to hurt them. I didn't want them to cry. I didn't want, like, I felt like I had to hold that. Um, And fast forward all this time, I have my son, Joshua, who has ADHD. And so now the what ifs play in my mind of like, okay, he's eight. And what if, like, four years from now, he chooses that same path? What if it like, impacts our family the way it impacted me? And what if Emily can't, doesn't feel like she can express her needs and have them seen or felt or heard, validated? Um, and in those moments, I have to stop, and I have to remember, one, God is in control. His plan for his life is better than I could ever imagine, right? And in addition to all that, like, God created him with purpose, and God loves him so much and gave him these unique skills and abilities and me as a parent, I can choose two options like I can go down the spiral of like the what ifs and the fear and the anxiety, or I can choose to hand that over to God and then trust him to give me wisdom to pursue options that will be helpful for my son that will. Continue to guide him and lift him up and help him to know that there's more than just, you know, trying to flounder and find your own way.
5: Um, I think two things. One is um, I think your children should know your story. Um, I think a lot of times we as parents have this kind of block where uh, we see ourselves as separate human beings as if our children are not their own separate human being that will grow into an adult like we are, but they should know your story, they should know where you come from, they should know what you dealt with, how you grew up, age appropriate to where they are as they get older, Um, but it gives them a perspective of sometimes why you do certain things you do, which means you should also know why you do certain things you do, and which means that you should all consistently be digging into getting an understanding and help and assistance for the trauma that you've been through. Um, the second thing is, is, um, they should see your process, uh, as you go through, um, and deal with the things in your past or I've overcome them. Um, it's good to go back because times where with our kids, especially our older ones, where, we have had to go back because we've we under, we didn't understand at the time, but we understood later because we dealt with or got healed from something that happened in our life. And going to be going back to them and breaking down what happened and why and what God did through that is helpful to give them context because one, we don't know the trauma that impacts their lives and the things that happened to us or have happened to us or how we raise them, um, and secondly, you want them to be able to trace it for themselves. Uh, I think for like for myself and I know for my wife as well right we see our parents were kind of like in the or or how we were raised was kind of like do what I say but don't pay attention to what's actually going on Um, and we can't have that perspective because they're gonna do what you do whether you want them to or not so it's better than the see behind the curtain where that is concerned, so they can see the process. So when they encounter that same thing, they understand. They have a real life example because that's what's gonna stick with them.
4: And I, everything you said was, is awesome. I was kinda gonna go down that um, train as well. Just, we come from a very um,
3: transparent
4: home. So they've, they've seen a lot, like you said, age appropriate, but we've been an open book with our kids. You know, they've allowed to see our processes. processes. They've seen us, you know, in our prayer closets as we've navigated different things. And, you know, we've allowed them to, to get an understanding of just where we are and our why. I know one time I sat down with the kids and cooked this nice dinner, and I just shared my entire story with them. And they under, it allowed them to really just see the depth of me, even things they didn't know about me. And they really appreciated that because... Just to be able to learn my story, you know, even to understand my pain, why I do some of the things that I do, you know, and I feel like it really put things into perspective. And I think that's been one of the greatest blessings in our home is we've been transparent. When we've had things within our marriage, you know, we've gone before them, especially if they witness witness a disagreement, we've gone before them and say, "This is what happened." You know, they've seen us apologize, you know, before one another, um, and kind of work through the processes and it's been a huge thing, and now we're seeing those same things play out, you know, in them and their behavior.
0: Love that. Yeah, I think that being preemptive and, and intentional with repentance and openness, like, not like where a complete open book, just everything, they get to be privy to every conversation, but just kind of a, that openness is so huge. Um, I'll start with you guys again. Um, you know, there have been a couple of people who've asked about blended families. How do you, um, how do you navigate... <laughs> i don 't know why you 're laughing yet i haven 't even asked the question um, so you guys have a blended family, which can mean that uh, previous uh, you know seasons of life, there are other family members who disagree with the new uh, you know agreement that you guys have as a family as parents leading your home, things of God, all that kind of stuff. What do you do with family members that you have to stay? close with that you still love, but have different philosophies, different religion, uh, beliefs about God, different styles, or even different, um, a different ethic when it comes to things in the world, sexuality, that kind of stuff? That's a loaded question, so feel free to take your time. <laughs>
5: um, I think one of the things, for example, um, the, the girls um, um, are the ones that... Uh, when we got married that Michelle brought to the marriage, and um, one of the things that was important is that they understood, like kids are not, I don't want to say kids, kids are very understanding, like I think what was said in Molly and Jay's is like, they will see a hypocrite coming a mile away, right, like they know what is real, what is fake, even if they can articulate it, and I think for um, um, their biological father, and his side of the family live completely different lives. And there has been times where you as a parent, you wanna grab a hold and say, protect them from those things. But the reality is um, we live in a world that is exposes so much to them whether we want them to or not. And sheltering them from the realities of what things that may be bad or evil don't believe concentrating on that just completely drains you of the ability to actually be effective in them seeing what walking with Christ and walking in a certain way is. Um, so we have always focused on this is how we live, this is the way in which we go and here's why, um, and allow them when they encounter those things to see the contrast, because they will. And they will make their own decisions, but trust that the influence that is happening in your home. Um, that's under Christ is going to win out. That is more powerful than. And so that means that times where they have been with that side of the family, they've came back and said stories and things of like, and they're like, I would, I would, I don't never, I don't want to go that way. And it reaffirms you and your your bringing your your teaching and your and your beliefs in the home that you are. Um, and in understanding that that will win out because it is of a stronger power
4: and I think in the very beginning you know we went through um, some tough seasons of I feel like fortifying our home if you will and just really setting boundaries because you know especially from the other side there was so much coming at us so much trying to you know um, come into our home their different ideas views um, you know there was just so much happening and I feel like we had to you know, come together and do a lot of praying and figure out how do we create a boundary, you know, to, um, you know, honestly just keep our kids safe, if you will. Um, And so, it was a lot of praying. and It was a lot of, you know, modeling Christ in our home and, you know, um, continuously giving our kids an understanding of, of who Christ is and living that out. And And there was a difference. You could see the contrast later. I feel like when they would, you know, go over there and come back home, they would come with different things. I feel like like sometimes when they would come home, we would have to, at the door, I feel like we were praying, you know, because there would be a difference and we would feel a shift in our atmosphere when they would come home. And so we would have to, you know, really talk with them and, and just understand, you know, kind of where they are, what they were, things that were happening. And we would just pray and, and talk with them, and I think eventually, there came a time where, when they would go, let's just say, go to their on their other side of the family, they were, the other family could see Christ in them, and there was a shift happening over there. Like you could see this transformation and exchange happening, and there was a difference when they would come back home. It was, it was just a difference. Even now, at the graduation, um, Jaya's graduation, one of the members from our family, because we don't, their family, we don't really. You know, there's a separation there but he came up to both Dante and I and he just said I have to take my hat off to you guys we've seen what you guys have done and he said if no one ever admits it it has been life-changing even for us wow. the way that you have reared these girls literally I mean there is a complete <laughs> distinction between the two between like you could just see it on them it's all over them when they come over and there's actually been some rejection you know what I'm saying? Because they don't really know how to handle it because they're so different. But it's, it's Christ. It's the love of God. It's how they speak. It's, it's their posture. It's everything. And so I, it, it, that was huge for me.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. So shifting gears a little bit, speaking of rearing, uh, we, we had, I want to read this question uh, because the, front, the first line, I feel it, even though I have not felt this yet, And yet, I want to use that kind of as a broader question. We hate our daughter's boyfriend. And um, (laughs) so, (laughs) um, but she's, you know, in this case, 18, but lives at home. So there's kind of a, she's an adult, but not really, but is, but isn't. Um, So I want to use that as kind of a broader, how do you prepare your kids for dating? Uh, Whether they're six or nine or 12 now? Um, and then, you know, when, when you toggle that, like it's your decision now, I'm here to guide. And, uh, so I, I want to ask that easy question for you guys. And then I'll ask a follow up. So Rick, I recommend, did you prepare us? I was, a, I feel like it's easier to raise guys in this way than I girls. So. Maybe. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think, I think it's easier. With I don't envy Jay's position, <laughs> but I recommend match.com for 12 year olds. Uh no. no. Don't uh, write that one down. I'll defer to the to the parents of the teenagers
0: currently. Well Jay, just so you know, your daughter is in the back there, so
4: Yes.
0: yes. So, <laughs> Was it? Do... Wait, did you text in the question? <laughs> I'm kidding, Alex. Alex, can you uh Can you just get out for just for a minute? We just need to answer a question that has to do with you. I'm teasing, I'm teasing.
2: Um, First off about relationship, again, it's all about conversation. It's all about them being able to say to you, here's what's going on in my relationship with this person, and I want to date this person, or whatever, to what you don't want is them to not say anything, and then you find out they've been dating somebody for six months. But again, having that conversation. So that means I'm not gonna jump in, or Molly's not gonna jump in and say, you should not be dating this person. But guiding again and okay, why do you like them? Okay, what's, is this the type of person you could see yourself being married to? Just them being cute is not enough. What is a spouse look like to you? What does a spouse look like to you? And so talking about, there's a difference between somebody who's fun to date and somebody who you should be married to, right? A lot of kids in high school and college are looking for someone to date. They're not looking for someone to marry. So do you wanna be that type of person who is just dating? Or do you wanna be the type of person who has a lasting marriage relationship? Do you wanna be the girl or guy that's just seen as a cute, fun date to be used and thrown away? Because let's be honest, that's what hookup culture is, right? Do you want to get involved in that? And then talking about sexuality. What is God's purpose for sexuality? We can go into what happens in the brain and how that, but when you have sex with somebody, there's hormones that are released and it creates a bond with that person. Uh, We talk about that it's kind of like you weld to each other spiritually and emotionally. And so when you go to break that apart, it's like breaking apart two pieces of steel that have been welded together. Do you want to go through that? When you are dating somebody and it becomes physical, you kiss, you hold hands, you have sex, everything changes. Everything. So be very careful about crossing that line and understanding who this person is, what they want from you, Is this someone you can trust? Is this someone you would raise children with? Is this somebody that you would trust your life with for forever? If not, have friends. Hang together and be friends. Absolutely. Go out and have fun together, but no, once we cross that line, everything is different. So.
1: I, I think it's really important to create vision way ahead of them getting there because then as opposed to them obeying a rule that you've established, uh, you're helping them navigate whether or not they want to interfere with their, the vision that they have in their heart of what they really want.
0: Well, you've talked about that a lot is uh, you've talked about like helping people get to a place of discovery. Mm -hmm. That's not just others. That's your own. Kids, you helped us to get to a place of where where do well. What do you think? And and helping, right. so, Like, you know, miss like almost like this mysterious like backdoor way. You helped us to answer the question ourselves. So then we're actually following our own value that you wanted us to have.
1: Exactly, and and it was a form of manipulation. I realize that, <laughs> no, but, um, but seriously. A conviction is way better than obedience to a rule, okay? Yeah. When you have a conviction, you're trying to put your conviction on them in the form of a rule to get them to behave the way you want them to instead of teaching them how to discover what you discovered. And so you may have discovered it when you're 45 uh, and you're talking to them at four or five, and, but you can start very young right now in creating vision. And when people have a vision in their mind, they move towards it. And what ha- the reason I think a lot of teenagers go off the wrong direction is because they never had an intentional vision. Uh, they, they allowed their friends and the culture to put the vision in them instead of their parents helping them form the vision.
3: Um, I just wanted to speak to that too. Um, So my husband Chris and I are doing that right now. We're trying to create that vision for them. And so we go about it a few different ways. One is in the way that we parent them. So if my son or daughter come home and they've had a hard day at school and they're emotional or something doesn't go the way they hoped and suddenly there's a tantrum or something happening, right? Right. Am I sending them away by themselves and saying, when you're happy to be around, you can join me? And when you think about like the future, when they're starting to date someone, um, do I want my daughter's boyfriend or significant other future husband to be like, yeah, when you get that taken care of, then I'm willing to connect with you, but not until like you're emotionally where I need you to be? Or do I want that future Husband, to be like, I care enough about you to sit in the depth of this with you. And so, um, what we've been doing with our parenting is just being available, recognizing, validating those emotions, and kind of setting them up for what the expectation is for a good friend, a good future partner in life, and all of those things. And then, on top of that, um, right now, my daughter's 11 she's at the age where, like, oh, we're starting to crushes on boys and different things. And so we're, we've been talking about it since she was young. Like, is it okay to have a crush on someone? What, what quality within that person are you attracted to? Okay, so they might have that quality, but what, what other qualities would you need in a person if you were to pursue a relationship with that person? And bringing her into the conversation of not me telling her what to look for, but her really learning and figuring out for herself, you know, what, what qualities would God want me to look for in a person before they deserve time with me, before they deserve to have that emotional connection with me. Um, and so, yeah, start now. Start I, Like, start when they're four. Start what with.
1: you just said was, is key. What would God, what that does is it sparks their imagination to explore what God would want. So they go through what they've learned about God up until this point, or it triggers them to want to learn more about God so that she can find out and answer that question. As opposed to being told the answer, you're sparking discovery.
0: Well, but if it, the, the challenge that we've encountered so many times, especially in youth ministry has been, you've got parents who the, the approach of the God stuff in their house was either he's distant and he's, when we need him, it's convenient, or every, you know, the kids run from faith because it's a rules thing, and so when they hear about you bringing in God, they hear it from a, I don't, I don't like God. I don't wanna relate to God. God is oppressive, he's mean, and he's he, all he wants, all he cares about is rules, and there's no relational aspect to how they relate to God, so I think it's important how we frame Um, this intimacy with God and how much of a joy and a good thing it is to have our families and our homes centered around the things of God, the person of Jesus. And then it's like, no, God is good. And I love God and he loves me. So of course I want to know what his opinion is. But if it's God is only rules, then they're going to reject that. So Michelle, you had something that I, 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 we got about eight more minutes. And so I want to ask one or two others, but did you want to add anything?
4: Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I think one of the big things that's worked well in our home is, you know, we've focused a lot on, like, our why, or our children's why. Why, why, why? And also um, a lot around just creating a nurturing environment for them and building that trust where, you know, they can talk to us, we can talk to them, and, you know, they receive. And so, um, earlier on we had a conversation with our, uh, we had a kind of conversation with our girls around dating, you know, sex and just to get their idea, get an understanding of where they are, how they view those types of things. We talked about soul ties, we talked about, you know, I mean just everything. What does dating even mean to you? And at the end of the conversation, you know, for them they felt like, you know, we want to date to marry, you know, we wanna we wanna do things the right way. And so for them, they they carried that perspective and they realized for themselves like I don't really want to date at 16 because we were trying to figure out what is, the, what is the appropriate age for you to be able to date and all those different things. And, and so I think that just that whole narrative of understanding, like, I don't want to date just for the sake of dating. Like, I want to date with purpose at the appropriate time in my life. And so that kept them from dating. So they, they never had a boyfriend and up until this point, 19 and 17. Um, they've had different crushes and just really talking, just a lot of storytelling. I feel like around the dinner table, we've had a lot of dialogue around just ideas, views, sharing, and experiences and different things like that. And I realized for myself, we had a, Jay, our daughter's in college, and she, she met a friend. And so, of course, I freaked out. I mean, freaked out, freaked out, because I'm like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, and she's away. And so I dealt with this guilt of, like, she's, she was never able, to, well, she didn't date in the home, so now she's out, left on her own. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And just seeing how she has, um, how she's flourishing in college and how she's developing—I'm really proud. And so we met the young gentleman. We had him uh, in the hot seat a few weeks ago, and she didn't want us to meet him because she thought we were going to scare him off. But it was a really—Did
0: <laughs> you though? That's the real question. Well, Did you, you know scare what? him off?
4: <laughs> it was the four of us, and we just—we had a really great conversation. But I wanted to—we wanted to just hear from him, and so we asked questions. Just we learned about his background and. You know, his beliefs and what his intentions were. And I felt like he, he answered those questions very well. But, um, you know, he's from California. He was recruited up. He plays basketball. So, you know, there's a stigma around that. Like, I don't want her with a basketball player and things like that. But he is very extremely grounded. You know, he loves the Lord. And, you know, he, he, his hopes are to make it into the NBA. He wants to build um, programs in California to underserve kids to make it out like he did. But one of the questions, I said, what are, your, what are your views around dating? And what are your intentions with our daughter? And he said, to be honest with you, you know, my intentions are to date her. You know, and I said, well, why? What is dating, what does that mean to you? And he said, honestly, just, I feel like I wanna have my person, that person to support, that person to communicate with, you know, and I was asking, what do you, what do you like about her? And he was like, well, in, like in what way? What do you mean, what ways? He was like, what? he said, he was like, I can tell that she was raised extremely well. He said because a lot of the young girls out here, it's it's just whoa. And he said she's a great communicator. I'm like, oh, so what do you guys talk about? You know, but he just listed all of the things. She's really kind. She's really chill. And it was a really great conversation. And just, I don't know. I just saw so much in that moment that we did okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. You did okay. That's awesome. Well, so. Some of the tone of this, and there's a lot of questions. We're not going to get to them all. This is going to be the last kind of general question that I want to spring off of this because there's a lot of questions on sexuality, gender pronouns, gender fluidity, um, transgenderism. There's a lot around that. So a couple things. Um, If you listen to the session that I did in here, I talked about some of that kind of stuff. And I also... Listed off some resources that are in there. We have more, so join that Facebook group. Listen to the audio, but also post some of those in there that will help because we don't have time to really, on this panel setting, explore the the wide-open can of worms that that would create um, in four minutes. So, um, but there's clearly a feeling of, at times it can be fear of... The impact that culture is having on our young people, and I—I I have a four and a half year old. I got a seven year old. Both of them are in school, um, and I—I I feel that even this early. I don't have teenagers yet. I don't have an eleven year old who's having crushes yet. My, you know.
1: So wait, your daughter
0: has. She does have. She does had, have twenty children. She had them on the bus, and um, she's she had
1: three fiancés too. Yeah, she has.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah can I? Okay, now that you brought it up, okay, she had she went to our neighbors and said, "We're at the bus stop. No. All of these dads are at the bus." And she said, "We have me and Rose have twenty kids. We had them on the bus, and it didn't even hurt." And so, um, she said, "We gave birth on the bus," and they all, di- you know, they like some of them don't even speak English. They're like, "What are you saying here?" Uh, it was amazing. How so do you- we got we got a ways to go. <laughs> She's seven. So, that being said, uh, culture is loud. How do we, how do we transcend that? Not in fear. Uh, and maybe we'll just do a quick. You got ten seconds to answer it, starting from J all the way down. How do we get louder than culture?
2: Well, we have to control the own culture in our house. One thing that we did, uh, we don't have a TV in the living room. We don't have a TV. I mean, we have one TV. It's clear upstairs. And we don't have cable TV, you know, so it's like monitoring, what are your kids watching? And it's not about, no, we're banning you from watching this, but being aware of what they're watching and what they're seeing. And again, it always comes back to conversation, creating that time together as to, oh, you saw this. Okay, well, let's have a talk about that. And let's talk about how that, how did that make you feel that you saw that?
3: And going down from there. Um, so, as I said before, we came from, like, the, the cushy Bible belt, and so we've spent some time as adults, as parents, diving into what is the Bible, how do you know that it's valid, and how do you, you know, authenticate it, how do you compare what God says in there to, like, these other religions, and so we spent time even studying other religions and going back to the character of what we know And how we've experienced God and so how do we know what is real and we have those conversations with our kids they come up in elementary school and so each night we'll sit down and we'll read through the Bible with them and they'll ask hard questions my son who's eight has asked like well how do I know like if if these guys over here who believe in all these gods of Hinduism and they really believe it how do I know that God of Christianity is real, and the different gods of Hinduism aren't. Like, we've had those conversations, and because we've taken that time to purposely, like, study and dive in and know that firmly for ourselves, we're able to share with them, this is how we know, and here are some tools you can use to know, and here's how you can take this to God and seek out from him what is true. Um, And then the next step of like how do you love those people who are seeking you know they're seeking all these multiple gods or they're seeking buddhism and that that lack of attachment to other people because of like the suffering and the pain because pain and suffering hurts and like so how does god speak to your heart in that and then how can you pour that out and speak to others when they're suffering so we have the deep conversations that's awesome and trust that god's going to take you know what they're hearing even if they're not understanding of all of it right now, they're hearing bits and piece of, pieces of it and it's transforming their hearts and it's opening the door for further conversations as like things come up in school or as they get older and the questions get harder. Yeah.
4: Um, I would say for us, <clears throat> infusing a lot of uh, traditional values into the culture of our home, and by that I mean um, you know, there's just parts of me, I grew up, you know, we grew up believers, we grew up um, very domesticated, we grew up um, just in a lot of different ways, and so I feel like for our home, with our kids, you know, bringing them up, understanding the importance of having a relationship with God, and and, and what that means, and um, building a personal intimacy with God. Um, Also, you know, really, uh, cultivating a very nurturing environment for our kids and also teaching them just values of loving yourself, you know, cooking, cleaning, um, you know, just proper etiquette and respect and honor and what those different things look like, you know, drilling things in and encouraging them, making eye contact when you talk to people. Why Why do you make eye contact? You know, it shows sincerity, you know, it shows respect. It shows that you're listening. And so I remember, you know, just, Praying a lot because I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing this right, God. I'm not trying to be like this forceful person, but just gently nudging them. And when I'm talking to them, coming down to their level so that they can know that I'm listening and I hear them And or we. And, um, and I just feel like, I, I feel like they stand out in ways just because they understand the value of hard work. They understand the value of cleaning up the house. They know how to cook. You know, I think early on, I, the vision that God gave me for them was, to make sure that they were well-rounded, make sure they know who the Lord is, who they are in him. And so we drilled that. We want to know, we want you to know, you know, who you are, but whose you are most importantly. And so I think that that has helped, you know, just the times that we're living in, being able to kind of bring that traditional value. um, It's created a a great balance, I think.
5: I would say, Along with what everyone else says, which is really good, there's just an intention behind it. Um, but show them how you interact with culture. Like uh, one of the things that we consistently do is that when things of culture are clearly aware, like COVID or the presidential election, or you know something happens in culture. Um, that you are, it's not like you have to be nose deep in everything, but show them how you properly interact with it. Show them what it means to be in the conversation without having to be consumed by it. Show that you can interact with people who don't believe what you believe, don't know what you know, and still be effective. Um, That's, again, they do what you do. They don't do what you say. And so... If you do that, and, and being proactive, right? Don't wait for, for the culture to land on them. Um, there are times where you bring it up in your home to have a conversation about it. Um, conversations, I think, is a common thing. That's, that's the intention behind it. And be intentional. Um, notice when your interactions, especially because for us, we have kids that are two different generations. Um, know when, okay, we haven't spent enough time over here. Know when they're floating. And, and you haven't really you know, uh, uh, grabbed a hold of them.
1: So N- know what you're for, have your kids know what you're for, as a family, more than what you're against. If your response to culture is about what you're against, if that's the number one message, they don't have a vision, yeah. they have the wrong vision. The, because you see, your subconscious mind does not see the don't and the no. It just sees the picture of what you just communicated. And so what we need to do is we need to paint, paint a clear vision. Habakkuk says, write the vision, make it plain so people can run with it. That's what we have to do. We have to, so our kids, as they were growing up, we said, this is what Murray's do. And what Murray's do is what Jesus does. And when we don't do it, we acknowledge it. We admit it and we we ask for forgiveness from each other because Murrays don't do that. So when the kids would get in trouble, I'd say, hey, Murrays don't do that. I still say that. And uh, you're better than that. Why? Because we have a picture. We have a vision. And when they have that vision, then when they see culture spiraling, they recognize, is my home better than what I'm seeing here? And if it's not, we got some work to do, right? That's why we're doing this, is because I think that sometimes our home is not a better story than what they're seeing in the world. The world's way more attractive, way more loving, way more compassionate, less argumentative than what we have at home. So we're going to make some adjustments. That's why we're doing this. We're making adjustments so that we have a better story at home And then when culture starts roaring and starts rearing its ugly head, they're gonna recognize it and say, huh, Murray's don't do that. Awesome. Hey, would you
0: stand with me? Can we give it up for these panelists?